tell me what you're doing here. Let's flip a coin. Heads, I tell you, tails, we go out on a date. <laughs> Warning, Otaku contains adult language and discussion. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. <laughs> it's over 9,000! All right, everybody. It is that familiar voice, and it is that time yet again for another episode of Otaku Force. And in the studio today is myself, Gregory Darkside Holmes, along with my brother from the Philippines, David Sabal. Ohio! Don't ever do that again. <laughs> it has been a time since we've been, we've talked with everybody, since we've entertained your ear holes or annoyed you, one or the other. Suddenly, one, one, of, two, one of the two has happened. Uh, this week is a special week. We are going to be doing a two-week run of Mech anime. So actually, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the world of Mecca, give a small intro for maybe those of you that don't know. And then our next episode, we're going to be talking about two, uh, two animes from the iconic Gundam franchise. Now, for those of you wondering if you watch anime and your Mecca is not really your thing or you don't even know what it is, it's typically a large armored robot, which is typically controlled by a person riding inside the robot itself in some fashion. Uh, you know, all of the plug suits in, or the plug in Evangelion, uh, you know, a little rocket ship for like all the Mazingers and whatnot. Get a Robo. Get a Robo, three combining robots. Uh, so it is a genre of Japanese manga and anime that okay. heavily features or focuses on mechanical innovation. So generally you see things where it's kind of slightly in the future. Although some animes back in the 80s that stated, you know, in the year 2022. <laughs> 2022, yeah. Uh, or, you know, 20, you know, 2002, uh, you know, we've colonized other planets or we've set up space colonies. That's wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Hey, we're almost there. We're almost there. Uh, uh, emphasis on almost. Uh, but robots, cyborgs, androids, even space stations, <laughs> like I stated, all, fun, all fall under that umbrella of mecha or mech. Uh, robots are usually the primary focus, but that those other things come with it as well. Um, different series have different varieties of mech. Um, you have those, you know, the mobile suit Gundam, everybody knows Gundam. It's probably, I would say the most iconic anime mech easily that's easily easily. ran over decades and millennia. I mean, even outside of anime, uh, the anime genre, a lot of mass audiences know what a Gundam is because of uh, the, the iconic, uh, connection it has to the Japanese culture. Yeah. And then also you have such other ones that have humanoid robots or androids. Uh, probably the most famous would be Osama Tezuka's Astro Boy. Yes, Astro Boy by uh, far. So generally, it's always heavily influenced by science fiction, uh, whether the robots are produced either scientifically or by magical means. Um, again, differs from series to series. Uh, some of the first mecha anime basically followed, came out towards following the end of World War II. Uh, this was because the country was experiencing a rapid economic and technological growth. Uh, basically, you saw two series come out in the 50s, one being from Osama Tezuka, which is Mighty Adam, which was introduced in 1952, and then also Mizutero Yokoyama's Tetsujin 28 Go. That's, yeah. And a lot of people uh, actually say Tetsujin 28 Go is like the starter of all the giant robots. Giant robots. But if you're saying, well, I've never heard of those series, that's because they're more widely known by their English titles of Astro Boy and Gigantor. Yes. So the popularity of Mecha, you know, 
was rising. Uh, to some, it reached the height of its popularity in the 1970s, 1980s, where you had uh, probably one of my favorite franchises, the uh, Gona Guys Mazinger Z. Yeah. Or the Mazinger series in general. Uh, again, this is like Gigantor. It featured a giant robot doing battle um, where they were piloted, where the robot was piloted by an inner cockpit. Or in Mazinger, it was like a little ship. It's a little like head ship of some yeah. sort. And then come to follow that, you know, they would, you know, at that point, month, they would follow basically a monster of the week type of situation. It's kind of like, you know, how when we watch uh, Power Rangers, it's that, you know, hey, here's the monster for this episode. They beat the monster. It's done. Yeah. That's where the trope actually originated from was a lot of like the giant robot series where they would have, you know, like the kaiju battles and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. That's what really spawned, you know, the, the, what later became Power Rangers. And, and, uh, I'm trying to think of the name that in Japan they call it for, but it's called, uh, Sentai. Sentai. And that's, that's what spawned that. So like, if it wasn't for, uh, the giant robot mecha genre, we would not have a lot of like pop culture that have come out things that have come out even like say for example even like uh, on the side kaiju movies would not be the same no without uh, without mecha anime well that's and again so you have that kind of monster of the week feel and then that was that was the thing for mecha anime or Mm -hmm. mecha anime up to that time and then in 79 when mobile suit gundam came out uh it kind of changed it changed the trope of that genre where oh, yeah, it adds far. in, you know, an epic space saga involving intergalactic war, genocide. And then of course you have the legendary battles. And I think that basically because Gundam, Gundam is a game changer. When you look at anything related in pop culture, when it comes to like a franchise or a genre that what is a series that helped change the series uh, or change the genre completely. You can, you can look at milestones like Akira. Akira has always been considered one of the milestones of anime is theatrically it made it into mainstream audience appeal. Wait, I think it made it to where people considered anime uh, an art form. An art it, wasn't, form. it wasn't just, um, you know, people, like, Oh, it's just cartoons from Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Gundam, Gundam came out and basically the very first one, I will always be influenced by the very first Gundam because of how underrated the writing is in that, in that series for a cartoon at that time, because you got to remember just like what you alluded to, a lot of people did not give a lot of uh, credit to cartoons back then. It was all about a kid stuff where you don't have to do anything serious with it. And along came Gundam and they decided to actually tell a moral tale about war. But I think that's, that's, that's where, like I said, it changed the genre forever because it did something different. Yeah. And I think with any, any genre of, of television, film, music, literature, anything changes from what, you know, that's something that's normal. So you have, you know, cartoons, kids, it's a kid's thing, Mm -hmm. kids only. Then you have these shows coming out of Japan that start, you know, especially Gundam. And then you can even throw, uh, you know, Robotech slash Macross in there as well. Because Robotech and Macross, it wasn't a monster of the week type thing. No, it was all about basically. It was 
the survival of the human race, the trying yeah. to find out, you know, how this ship works. But it still had the giant mech influences in it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you had, you know, you had the, the Valkyrie fighters. Yeah. And so, you know, you had that, 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 I don't think Robotech slash Macross, and for those of you wondering why I'm saying Robotech slash Macross, they came out under two different names. Yeah. Same, same episodes, unless, unless I'm, you know, mixing the, mixing it. But from what I remember watching Macross being like, this is Robotech and I'm watching Robotech at one point being like, these are the fucking same, aren't they? Like one, <laughs> you know, but I don't think that show gets enough credit No, for what no, it, it does, for what it does. Because I think it took the whole intergalactic war spiel that Gundam did. And I want to say they softened it, but they mm -hmm. made it a little bit easier for people to, to take in. Take in. Yeah. Because like, I'll never forget back in the day when I was, you know, watching Saturday morning cartoons, Robotech was always later in the day. You'd always have, you know, your He-Man, your GI Joe. And then later on Robotech comes on and it, some uh, one of my friends put it really, really well as basically Robotech was the soap opera for all us kids that we could all take seriously. Because in the next day at class, you'd be talking, oh, my God, did you see what they did in, uh, did in the show? Mm -hmm. Or did you see that character die? Because normally in cartoons, especially in America cartoons, you don't see characters die. They don't even mention it. They don't mention it. But Robotech, they openly, like, killed, I think, two or three major characters. Well, it, that was, that was a thing when you, with Gundam and, and Robotech Macross was de death was on the table. Death was on the table. But that's again, I think where you look at society and culture where in Japan having that in a, in a cartoon or anything to them, isn't a big deal. Having characters in the cartoon die isn't a big deal. And, you know, that could be just how their society is, mm -hmm. how the culture is, but also too, again, World War II had two, like they experienced two of the most devastating attacks that they could have ever happened to their country. Oh yeah. And not saying we're, you know, shouldn't have done it. Not doing that. Just bringing up a fucking fact of history. Exactly. That's all I'm doing. But they have that. And it's like, Oh, it character dies in a kid's cartoon. All right. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. And it it's one of those things that I remember a long time ago discussing about it in a uh, in a Comic-Con panel, actually, about how, like, cultures of anime or, or how anime affects cultures in a, a certain way and shows the difference in cultures. There are certain topics of the human nature that here in America, we're, we're, it's very taboo to talk about. Off the bat, violence and sex. Or change violence to death. Death and sex. In Asian cultures, it's treated, it's treated completely differently. It's like, oh, it's, it's okay. It's all right. It's nothing, it's nothing wrong with it. It's all about innocence. It's about explain, making sure that the kids understand what they're seeing. Yeah. I think it's, it's again, you, you mentioned how like the, the cultures are different. The cultures are different at that point. And, but it's, you kind of, but also you kind of look at, you, you, you can also go into, you can look at the religion of those two cultures. Yes. You can look at Asian culture and their, you know, the, with the religions that they practice. And then you can look at America, which is, you know, predominantly, you know, well, Judeo-Christian. Yeah. And 
with those, people took that and they're like, we don't talk anything about perversion. <laughs> yeah. No witches, you know, fuck it, whatever. If, if we, if we think it's the devil, it's the devil. It's the devil. <laughs> if kids shouldn't know about it. They're innocent. But, you know, kids, you know, have to grow up fast sometimes. Exactly. And it's like, but you don't teach kids how to deal with that. You teach kids, oh, here's, you know, you're going to need math when you go to the, you know, when you get out, when you grow up. No, you're not. Beyond basic math, unless you're doing something that requires it, you won't need it. <laughs> but you put in a cartoon that a character dies. Oh, shit. How yes. dare you make my child watch that? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make, didn't mean to, you know, help little Tommy try and cope with fucking death. You death know, when, here, but. <laughs> you know, daddy goes on a two week coke binge and then, you know, you find him naked hanging in a, you know, hotel closet. <laughs> you got to explain, yeah, you, yeah, you can explain that. But back onto it. As, as with every, I would say every anime genre or every anime show that's come out of Japan that's hit America, Mecca had a huge impact on American culture. And you can see that mainly in the 80s where TV shows had to have a toy. There had to be, there had to be a merchandise line to go with a TV show, with a cartoon, or it wasn't worth it. Uh, case in point, Microman. Yeah. You had all those, um, you know, where you have robots transform into other objects, uh, you know, or, you know, mech suits. And then in 84, you had Hasbro rebrand the Japanese counterpart, you know, Japanese toys into the, into basically what became known as the Transformers. Transformers. Um, and, you know, since then, you know, mech animes and mangas have had like their ebb and flow of popularity, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so you had, you know, series popping up here and there that broke out that did well. Um, 95 is the perfect example of one that came out of nowhere and, and took everybody's surprise. And that's one that we've talked about before, which is neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. <laughs> so much again, much like how Gundam took the monster of the week or, you know, the, the, the monster flavor of the week, type episode uh, trope and said, you know, we're going to tell this big epic intergalactic war story that has spit. If you look at the main timeline, it starts back from the initial Gundam show yeah. and goes until now. There are shows that still harken back to that original series and it goes and they all flow through together. Now mm -hmm. you have your off, your offshoot ones like your, Gundam G. Um, you know, your G fighter Gundam, yes. your Gundam wing. Um, you know, I have all these different ones that are just kind of offshoots, but you have that main one that always still goes. Yeah. Because there's always, it has to be that thorough line about telling the, the, the story of the war between, uh, oh, they're the, what is the, what is it called? The U Federation or the Federation. Yeah. And then, yeah. then the, like the free peoples the, or something like that. It's usually like a free peoples of Mars or something. Yeah. It's, it's something, but it always has to tie into that conflict of basically these overall, these war, the, the, these two civilizations that are basically trapped in this never ending. But it's always, but it's always one civil war. One culture thinks they're better than the other because they're yeah. higher society. So the other culture or society is below them and that they should willingly bend the knee mm -hmm. as, as it were. But then in 95, like I said, you have Evangelion come along, which took 
many, if if not almost all the tropes of, of a mecha anime and fucking did a 360 on them. <laughs> and yes. it was a much darker psychological story than, than any previous series that it came out. Well, they wanted to actually, it, instead of like what you said, where like the story is more grandiose and epic in scale, Evangelion went in and said, no, we're going to go into more a personal sta- scale. We're going to go into the the mindset of what it these individuals go through. What it means to be a, what a mech pilot. What it means to be a mech pilot. But not just what it means to be a mech pilot. What is it when you're a teenager? As a mech pilot. That's not only, that's not only a mech pilot, but also the only reason why you were summoned by your dad wasn't to rebuild a relationship. It's because you fit into his plan. Yeah. You were you were a piece to the to his puzzle. You were a cog in his machine, and you have all that. And it's it's like I said, it's completely different than any other genre before. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's a more personal story. It's a more zoned in story. It's not this wide, grandiose thing, but it's a self contained in Tokyo, yeah, in Japan. Well, the genius thing about Evangelion, and I, I. I I've gone on record in the past about how I do not I do not care for Evangelion as a series that much, but I do see the genius in the game changing elements of it when it, in regards to the anime genre because like they were Evangelion was able to take that that trope of doing a grandiose scale type of storyline right about war put it in the background because the interesting thing in Evangelion that always cracked me up was like. While all this madness is going on around Sinji, they still stayed true to the story, which was we're trying to tell a story of Sinji as a teenager being told, it's your responsibility now to save the world. Well, and that's, and Guess that's, what? What do you think? And, and being somebody who, I mean, I have, you know, uh, a nerve, uh, an Evangelion, uh, Grunlagen mashup tattoo shows mm-hmm. how much I love both of those shows. And... When I, when I, you know, when I watched Evangelion, when it started coming out in 95, you know, fighting everybody at Suncoast for the next VHS tape, whether it was subtitled or dubbed, I didn't give a shit. Literally, I didn't have a choice. If they had it, I was getting it. Mm-hmm. That was it. So I'd go from the English voice actors, sometimes to jap- back to the subtitles, the original Japanese, you know, or I'd get a couple that were in line, like, okay, I'm all, these are all, all these are dubbed. Just try and keep it going. <laughs> Couldn't keep it going. Fuck it. I got it. I just want. I just want. The, I just want to watch. You just wanted to watch it. And then they did the. They did the movies, <clears throat> which had added too many more questions. Too many more fucking questions. A lot of questions. And it's like, all right, whatever. And then the Netflix did the re-release, which which wasn't bad. It, it stayed true to the story, in my opinion. Um, I know a lot of people are upset about the changing of the casting and some of the other changes, you know, with certain characters' relationships. But then there were the movies. That came out that yeah. retold the series that retold the story. The movies that came out like you 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 are not alone. You cannot advance. Yes. You know all those were amazing, absolutely. And the funny thing was that they were on a it showed a much grander scale of Evangelion, mm-hmm. it, and it focused back on like what was going on outside the pilots more. Like you got to actually see, oh, all the factions that were actually involved in this. They, they expanded war. it more and you saw more what was going on, but it, they always were able to center it back to Shinji. Shinji. And what he was doing. And 
for those of you, I mean, for everybody that's listened to the show since we started and when we talked about Evangelion, I give shit to Shinji a lot. Oh, yeah. Same I mean, here. I think every anime fan does. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a meme for fucking, for fucking, you know, crying out loud. <laughs> um, but in the movies, though. He's different. He, it's different. It's you start, different. You, you see the first parts of him, like, yeah, okay, don't want to get, I don't want to ride the robot. Get in the fucking robot, Shinji, just fucking do it. And then you're like, fuck, man, like, he was only doing what you guys were asking him to. Yeah. And you start feeling for him. You're like, fuck you guys. Like he wants to help make this better. And you're like, Oh, you know, like you've already done enough. And it's like, you're treating him. Like I get you're scared. You're now scared of him. But at the same time, I don't, I don't get the feeling that any of them looked at themselves and were like, you know what? We're the ones that pushed him to do what he did. Yes. We're the ones that pushed him to basically go as far as he did and basically cause the what third impact. Yeah. You know, and so everybody's like, oh, Shinji, you know, you, you did enough. You did this. It's your fault. You're da, 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 da. Here's the thing. You can blame Shinji as much as you want for what happened in the later films. And the, the you know, three and, you know, two and three or, you know, three and four or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you can't, you can only blame him so much. Yeah, because in the, you at have the end to, of the you day. You have to look at his dad, at Ikari. Or not Ikari, but, you know, um, you have to look at his dad. You have to look at Misato. Misato is just as, just as, just as guilty as anybody oh, yeah. in pushing him. And then I'm even going to throw Asuka in there. Well, that's the beautiful part about the retelling of those, la- the brand new movies. I really feel that they, they were able, the original, because it was written by the same guy who Yeah, it was, started, it was right? pretty much, it was, I, I think it's, it's, it was their way of wrapping it up. And the way, the way I looked at it was, this is what I honestly feel he was trying to tell with his first going with, with the TV show. And for me, I thought that his second chance at being able to tell his story, he was able to actually make it really punch home the the story that yes, we get irritated at Sinji, but at the end of the day, I thought it was brilliant that he keeps the story centered around the fact that Sinji is still a child. Yeah. And as a child, he needs that those adults to help him grow and nurture. And when you see the, pe- the people that are in, quote unquote in charge of his life, you realize that basically he is, He's one of those kids who was put in a, you know, unfortunately born in a bad luck scenario. But, and, but, and, but those adults as well are the ones who are like, you need to do this. You need to fight. We need your help. You're the only one who can do this. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to fucking grow up. And it's like, you're telling somebody who was brought to pilot a giant robot to fight essentially alien monsters and and you're asking the child to do this, but you as the adult aren't doing it. But you're, and <laughs> you can say, oh, well, you're, you know, because of your DNA, this is it. But at the same time, and this is with, you know, again, other mech animes have, have done their own kind of version of how this psychologically goes. But you're asking somebody who is legitimately still trying to figure out their life. To do this, and that's and that's a lot. With you know, you can you can look at Gundam. Gundam, a lot of the Gundam pilots weren't trained pilots. If you look at some of the Gundam series, well, the thing the thing about Gundam that I always felt because people always compared Gundam, the Gundam pilot story to Sinji's story. The Gundam pilots were thrust into 
the overall story and the overall moral is the fact that war is hell. And it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter. War is going to affect you no matter what. War is going to affect you no matter what. And it will take a piece of you. It doesn't care how young you are or how old you are. In Evangelion, it's more of what 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 are people willing to do for the, the survival of humanity yeah what are you willing to do who are you willing to sacrifice to do that now we can go on about that all day oh yeah and we've even we've easily done a whole episode about evangelion we could do many more but I want to go on and talk a little bit more about other other well-known mech animes um and kind of you know a few different ones um, that we haven't touched on yet. For example, like super robots where we've kind of touched on it, uh, where we mentioned uh, Mazinger, uh, you know, probably another better one for super robots is going to be, um, geez, you mentioned it. Um, get a, get robo. a robo, get a robo, you know, get a robo. Um, another one is the Voltron series. Yes. So essentially when like these super robots are usually, they're one of a kind. They're not going to be mass produced looking ones. So you're not going to have a bunch of Gundams running around. No. Now, everybody's like, oh, but there's one of a kind Gundams. Yes, but they all are Gundams. Are they Gundams. have the same, like the head is, is similar <laughs> to all of them. These ones are one of a kind. They're the only ones. They're iconic almost. They're pseudo mythical or, you know, abilities that are produced by an ancient civilization that was, you know, ahead of its time or just gifted scientists that had, you know, un, uh, unchecked budgets and, you know, <laughs> and found, no, found mysterious energy sources yeah, too. You know, and nobody bothered them about it. Um, but they all combine to create a giant super robot. So again, mm-hmm. also, as we, we've mentioned, Sentai Rangers, you know, slash Power Rangers, you had the Megazords. They were all formed by individual Zords. Teenagers case, with attitude. Yes. Or, you know, in this case with Voltron, it was the Lions. You know, you had the three ships for Get a Robo and it had three versions that it can go into. Yeah. Um, you had all these, you know, you had combiners in uh, Transformers. You know, one of my favorites being Devastator. Oh, I think he's the most iconic when it comes um, to like the Transformer types. Yeah. So you have those, you have all those. And then you have what, what some people basically realistic science-based mass produced robots. Um. One, you know, one example of that, like, you know, realistic robots, uh, or actually two is the battle Angelina from the nineties. Yeah. And then you have the widely known ghost in the shell from 89. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Now these did, now these did also mix some cyberpunk, uh, like dystopian elements to these shows, but these are ones where there weren't any giant robots. But there were these are more cyborg android. There were based. suits. There were giants. There were there were sometimes like battle suits of some sort. You had you know bubblegum crisis is another one. Bubblegum crisis. You know, bubblegum crisis. You can you can say you can put it with real robots, but there those are more like exosuits. Exosuits. Like almost you can also even say like Tekka Man back in the yeah. day. Um, you had Tekka Man. You had Eight Man. Eight Man. That's the other one. Um, uh, uh, Cyborg 0078. Yeah. Or, zero, one, zero, or zero, zero, 009. Zero, zero, 009, one. Yeah. But you have those where I don't, they, I don't, they scaled it down a bit, but it wasn't, it was no longer these giant robots fighting over the cities or fighting in space. You had these robots 
that were human size sound, but they were, they were, you know, human sized. Well, yeah, because like at the, at that time, at that, it, that harkened back more to kind of like Astro Boy where the genre, the, the, the trope of that genre is a machine getting to learn to be human. And then the thing I love about that genre, be a real boy. Exactly. The thing I love about that genre was like, that just touched on like human nature and like you get some really dark stories like well, dealing with a lot of things. Well, the, the, I mean, the, the, I think one of the, a good example of that is the battle angel Alita. And I'll, I'm, just, I'm just referencing yeah. the, 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 the film, the animated film where you have the, like her love interest, the boy who wants to get up to that cloud city. He wants to get up to that, yeah, that high life and he loses his arms and I, they, they, I, and if I remember this correctly, they gave him, you know, they, they gave him robot arms. Yeah. And, but he's like, I can climb there now. And he was like, I, I want to be up there. But the danger was that they had like defenses on the ropes that mm-hmm. would slide down and slide back up. But it showed that class system mm-hmm. in the best, in the best way possible at how horrible it is. <laughs> yeah. Cause you had people on the ground sifting through trash living in these cyberpunk, these dystopian cities below, basically living off of, you know, re utilizing the trash from the rich. And that's a, that was a big thing because it basically stated that all these nice things that we, that we chase after that people chase after nice cars, nice houses, nice electronics, all this stuff will be discarded one day. It'll be just trash, but somebody else will use it. And to them, that's new. That's, that's what they've got, but they'll always want the nicer things as well Mm -hmm. because of how it's presented and battle Angelina, I thought did a great job at that ghost in the shell kind of showed more giving kind of that artificial intelligence going too far. Oh yeah, it's basically it, it. The biggest question of it is like, what is a human soul, and like questioning what is, what is sentience? Is it is it just like basically brought down into numbers and everything else, or is there something mystical? Can, can a machine have a soul? Can a machine have a soul? Yeah, and that's and that was you know again that was something that was touched on by probably one of those iconic films that it isn't an anime film but Blade Runner. Oh yeah. And or, you, you know, remember, do some... androids dream of do androids dream of electric sheep, which is where Blade Runner comes from? Yeah, you have that, which asks that question, and I would say Ghost in the Shell is probably the best one that follows that up. Oh, by far, I it mean, still doesn't answer it, but it does yeah. bring that in. Like you have these cyborgs or these humans that have cyborg modifications. And you beg the question, do you st- at that point, do you still have a soul? Do you have a soul? Are you still human? Can you still rationalize as a human? Because if you think of it, with Mecha, you can have all these things. You can have the perfect body with cyborg modifications. You can have, you can, ha- you know, put your brain into a cyborg body and you never age. But at what point do you lose your humanity? 
Oh yeah, that's the that's the thing that I love about Ghost of the Cell standalone complex. That will always standalone complex will always be one of my favorite series of all time because every single episode was able to branch out that idea of what does it mean to be human and actually show it in so many different ways and so many different types of ways of storytelling. And in the very end, it just comes down, it comes, comes all around in full circle and basically just says, what does it take to be human? What does it take to have a soul? And I think, sorry, go ahead. Or is it important to have a soul? I think that, I think that kind of goes across most, most newer mech shows. Yeah. Whether it's with cyborgs or real, real robots, or you have the super robots it doesn't matter. I think when it comes down to it, it comes down to humanity. Yeah. Where, bit- where does your humanity end? And at what price are you willing to sell it for, for technological advances? A big one. I don't know if you were planning on bringing it up was a more con- contemporary uh, mech anime that I thought that just hit, hit a home run when it first came out was uh, big O. Oh, Chinami's I thought big O was great. The big, big O, o- Big O's storytelling, it could have been just a schlocky, giant robot anime, right? But when you actually watch it, there's actually so much more going into it, questioning about humanity and questioning what does it mean to be human? All and from then, a giant robot anime. Well, and then also, too, it also, it also pulls up, the, brings the question, in a world where, you know, cyborgs, giant robots, and humans coexist... At what point can you tell a cyborg from a real from human? From a hu- real human. <laughs> and I, I referenced Blade Runner, and Blade Runner has one of the best examples of how, how you could tell. But also, too, you can say it's faulty programming. Mm-hmm. And in some anime, there's been, they, they've had cyborgs which have fooled people and being... Oh no, they're human, and then they do something completely, uh, you know, extraordinary or out of the ordinary for a human, and then like I'm a cyborg. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh well, shit, okay. But that's again, it's that point. Where does that where do, where does that line get crossed? But also, where does that line being drawn? And I think with the mecha the mecha genre where it's going, you still have the giant robots and 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 all that and all that fantasy in a lot of mech shows that, that come out, uh, you know, you've had it in, uh, you know, uh, Gurren you know, you still had that giant robot that, you know, I don't want to say combiner, but you still had that super robot. Yeah. In, in, you know, in the Gurren Lagann mech. Uh, yeah, it was a kind of a dystopian future, but it's very comical. Oh yeah. But, but you never, it never, it, it 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 would it would have serious moments. Yeah. Like when they kill off uh Kamina in like fucking episode six. Um if you haven't watched Gurren Logan, I'm sorry. You need to. Um but it'll <laughs> still it'll still you break your heart that he never comes back. But the beautiful thing about Gurren Logan too is I thought with that series, the genius of that series was it was able to blend that high octane, you know. 100 miles per hour storytelling like you would expect and say like a giant uh, a get a robo or a uh guy king which is one of my favorites of all time but it still was able to bring in that more new contemporary 
type of writing that you would see in Evangelion and take more mature storytelling. And actually the whole, the whole series itself is about brotherhood. Yeah. You know what, but it, how it tells far it, will you go for your, how far will you go for your brother? Because, but it's also kind of in, in a, in a lighthearted comical way in a lighthearted. Yeah. And cause it, the show takes itself seriously, but then at times it doesn't. And that's due to the characters and the writing. Like you said, another good example of that or show that doesn't take itself seriously, but then is very serious is the original Gunbuster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And David laughs because he knows that's probably by far my, my favorite mech anime of, of all. Well, that, that, um, that anime in itself is something that a lot of people who are just getting into anime is like one of those animes that all us old school anime fans say, no, no, go watch this, watch this to break in. You'll get the idea of anime because <laughs> the Gunbuster, and for those of you that have never seen the original Gunbuster, please go watch it. But when you watch it and you're like, this is, seems like it's making fun of mech anime because it was because it was it was made as a parody as satire. But it the popularity of the show was so big that if you when you watch it, the last two episodes, I think two or three are all in black and white. Yes, <laughs> but it's because it's 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 it, even even in then it's still kind of poking fun at things it's a tongue-in-cheek and it's basically it's like oh, we oh, gotta we, take it seriously well, it's like, now. Well, well the ending is serious now there's a lot of stuff we're gonna you know a lot of emotion coming so we're gonna do it in black and white <laughs> we're gonna do it in black and white but the thing is that it's it's extremely well written for what it is oh yeah and the the characters are done so well and the emotion and and just and everything of it is done so well for a satire that when you watch, you're like, this doesn't seem like satire, but it is. But it is. Because it has them calling out their attacks. They're all named. The, you know, all the training montages. It's all those tropes that were in mech anime that they're making fun of. Now, to kind of close out, as we've been talking, you know, mech, whether it's the giant robots, whether it's cyborgs, all the anime and manga that have come out in the genre has affected American culture. And just to kind of run down, you know, one being, you know, the film, the Pacific Rim films. Easily. Easily. Uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro, basically a love letter to the, you know, the mecha and, and, and giant monster genres. Um, you even have, um, you know, the 2014 science fiction mecha novel. All you need is, is, a, is kill. And that was given a big, big budget Hollywood adaptation and you probably won't believe me when I say it, but the edge of tomorrow with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt yep. is an adaptation of that. Mm -hmm. Now I thought the film was cool. I liked the book. Um, I thought the film was cool. I could have done without Tom Cruise, but that's a personal matter. <laughs> that's a personal matter. But there's so much that mech has done as far as in the, in the, in the span of anime and manga and in Japanese culture, but also I would say cultures around the world. Oh, easily. I mean, even if you look at say pop culture references, say even in like movies like the matrix where you see elements of a giant suit, a robot suit of some kind being used. So, you know, you have these, these nods or these, these things in films that, well, they might've come around at some point, but I think with the introduction of the mecha genre from Japan, in anime and in manga definitely help push some things, you know, 
that we have in American like cinema and cartoons. Um, so stick with us, guys. We're going to be our next show. Like I said, we're going to be talking about two shows from the Gundam franchise. And some, <laughs> some of you might be excited. Afterwards, Afterwards, you might, you not, might not be. Might not be. Uh, but for David, I want to thank you. I'm Greg Darkside Holmes. This has been Otaku Force. Come back with us, guys, when we talk about Gundam Wing and Mobile Suit Gundam Iron Blooded Orphan. Bye bye.